Chapter 4 of New Treasure Seekers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Madara. New Treasure Seekers by Edith Nesbitt. Chapter 4 Over the Water to China. Oswald is a very modest boy, I believe but even he would not deny that he has an active brain. The author has heard both his father and Albert's uncle say so, and the most far-reaching ideas often come to him quite naturally, just as silly notions that aren't any good might come to you. And he had an idea which he meant to hold a council about with his brothers and sisters. But just as he was going to unroll his idea to them, my father occurred suddenly in our midst and said a strange cousin was coming. And he came, and he was strange indeed when fate had woven the threads of his dark destiny, and he'd been dyed a dark bright navy blue and had gone from our mist, Oswald went back to the idea that he had not forgotten. The words tenacious of purpose mean sticking to things, and these words always make me think of the character of the young hero of these pages. At least I suppose his brothers Dick and Noel and H.O. are heroes too, in a way. But somehow the author of these lines knows more about Oswald's inside realness than he does about the others. But I am getting too deep for words. So Oswald went into the common room. Everyone was busy. Noel and H.O. were playing Halma. Dora was covering boxes with silver paper to put sweets in for a school treat. And Dickie was making a cardboard model of a new screw he has invented for ocean steamers. But Oswald did not mind interrupting, because Dora ought not to work too hard, and Halma always ends in a row. And I would rather not say what I think of Dickie's screw. So Oswald said, I want a council, where's Alice? Everyone said they didn't know, and they made haste to say that we couldn't have a council without her. But Oswald's determined nature made him tell H.O. to chuck that rotten game and go and look for her. H.O. is our youngest brother, and it is right that he should remember this and do as he was told. But he happened to be winning the beastly Alma game, and Oswald saw that there was going to be trouble, big trouble, as Mr. Kipling says, and he was just bracing his young nerves for the conflict with H.O. because he was not going to stand any nonsense from his young brother about not fetching Alice when he was jolly what told to. When the missing maiden bounced into the room, bearing upon her brow the marks of ravaging agitatedness. Have any of you seen Pincher? she cried in haste. We all said no. Not since last night. Well, then he's lost, Alice said, making the ugly face. It means you are going to blub in half a minute. Everyone had sprung to their feet. Even Noel and H.O. saw at once what a doddering game Homer is. And Dora and Dickie, whatever their faults, care more for Pincher than for boxes and screws. Because Pincher is our fox terrier. He is of noble race. And he was ours when we were poor, lonely treasure-seekers and lived in humble hard-upness in the Lewisham Road. To the faithful heart to young Oswald the Blackheath, affluent mansion, and all it contains, even the stuffed fox eating a duck in the glass case in the hall that he is so fond of, and even the council he wanted to have seemed to matter much less than old Pincher. "'I want you all to let's go out to look for him,' said Alice, carrying out the meaning of the faces she had made and beginning to howl. Pincher, suppose something's happened to him. You might get my hat and coat, Dora. Oh, oh, oh. We all got our coats and hats, and by the time we were ready, Alice had conquered it to only sniffing, or else, as Oswald told her kindly, 
She wouldn't have been allowed to come. Let's go to the heath, Noel said. The dear departed dog used to like digging there. So we went, and we said to every single person we met, Please, have you seen a thoroughbred fox terrier dog with a black patch over one eye, and another over his tail, and a tan patch on his right shoulder? And everyone said no, they hadn't. Only some had more polite ways of saying it than others. But after a bit we met a policeman, and he said, I see one when I was on duty last night like what you described, but it was at the end of a string. There was a young lad at the other end. The dog didn't seem to go exactly willing. He also told us the lad and the dog had gone over Greenwich Way. So we went down, not quite so wretched in our insides, because now it seemed that there was some chance, though we wondered the policeman could have let Pincher go, when he saw he didn't want to. But he said it wasn't his business. And now we asked every one if they'd seen a lad and a thoroughbred fox terrier with a black patch, etc. And one or two people said they had. And we thought it must be the same policeman had seen, because they said, too, that the dog didn't seem to care about going where he was going. So we went on and through the park and past the Naval College, and we didn't even stop to look at that life-size firm ship in the playground that the Naval Collegians have to learn about ropes and spars on, and Oswald would willingly give a year of his young life to have that ship for his very own. And we didn't go into the paint at all, either, because our fond hearts were with Pincher, and we could not really have enjoyed looking at Nelson's remains of the shipwrecks where the drowning people all look so dry. Or even the pictures where young heroes are boarding pirates from Spain, just as Oswald would do if he had half a chance, with the pirates fighting in attitudes more twisted and Spanish than the pirates of any nation could manage, even if they were not above it. It is an odd thing, but all those pictures are awfully bad weather, even the ones that are not shipwrecks. And yet in books the skies are usually a stainless blue, and the sea is a liquid gem when you are engaged in the avocation of pirate boarding. The author is sorry to see that he is not going on with the story. We walked through Greenwich Hospital and asked there if they had seen Pincher, because I heard Father say once that dogs are sometimes stolen and taken to hospitals and never seen again. It is wrong to steal, but I suppose the hospital doctors forget this, because they are so sorry for the poor ill people, and like to give them dogs to play with them and amuse them on their beds of anguish. But no one had seen our pincher, who seemed to be becoming more dear to our hearts every moment. When we got through the hospital grounds, they are big and the buildings are big, and I like it all because there's so much room everywhere and nothing niggling. We got down to the terrace over the river, next to the Trafalgar Hotel, and there was a sailor leaning on the railings, and we asked him the usual question. It seems that he was asleep, but of course we did not know, or we would not have disturbed him. He was very angry, and he swore and Oswald told the girls to come away. But Alice pulled away from Oswald and said, "'Oh, don't be so cross. Do tell us if you've seen our dog. He is—' And she recited Pincher's qualifications. "'Oh, yeah,' said the sailor. He had a red and angry face. "'I see him an hour ago, long of a Chinaman. He crossed the river in an open boat. You best look slippy after him.' He grinned and spat. He was a detestable character, I think.' Chinaman puts puppy dogs in pies. If he catches you three young chaps, he'll have a pie as'll need a big crust to cover it. Get along with your cheek. So we got along. Of course, we knew that the Chinese are not cannibals, so we were not frightened by that rot. 
But we knew too that the Chinese do really eat dogs, as well as rats and birds' nests and other disgraceful forms of eating. H.O. was very tired, and he said his boots hurt him, and Noah was beginning to look like a young throstle, all eyes and beak. He always does when he is tired. The others were tired too, but their proud spirits would never have owned it. So we went round to the Trafalgar Hotel's boathouse, and there was a man in slippers. And we said, could we have a boat? And he said he would lend a boatman, and would we walk in? We did. And we went through a dark room, piled up to the ceiling with boats, and out on to a sort of thing half like a balcony and half like a pier. And there were boats there too, far more than you would think anyone could want. And then a boy came. We said we wanted to go across the river, and he said, where to? To where the Chinamen live, said Alice. You can go to Millwall if you want to he said, beginning to put oars into the boat. "'Are there any Chinese people there?' Alice asked. And the boy replied, "'I don't know.' He added that he supposed we could pay for the boat. By a fortunate accident, I think father had rather wanted to make up to us for our martyr-like enduring when our cousin was with us. We were fairly flush of chink. Oswald and Dickie were proudly able to produce handfuls of money. It was mostly copper, but it did not fail of its effect.' The boy seemed not to dislike us quite so much as before, and he helped the girls into the boat, which was now in the water at the edge of a sort of floating unsteady raft with openings in it that you could see the water through. The water was very rough, just like real sea, and not like a river at all. And the boy rowed, he wouldn't let us, although I can quite well. The boat tumbled and tossed, just like a sea boat. When we were about halfway over, Noel pulled Alice's sleeve and said, Do I look very green? You do, rather, dear she said kindly. "'I feel much greener than I look,' said Noel, and later on he was not at all well. The boy laughed, but we pretended not to notice. "'I wish I could tell you half the things we saw as our boat was pulled along through the swishing, lumpy water that turned into great waves after every steamer that went by. Oswald was quite fit, but some of the others were very silent. Dicky says he saw everything that Oswald saw, but I am not sure.' There were wharves and engines and great rusty cranes swinging giants, handfuls of iron rails about in the air, and once we passed a ship that was being broken up. All the wood was gone, and they were taking away her plates, and the red rust was running from her and colouring the water all round. It looked as though she was bleeding to death. I suppose it was silly to feel sorry for her, but I did. I thought how beastly it was that she would never go to sea again where the waves are clean and green, even if no rougher than the black waves now raging round our staunch little bark. I never knew before what lots of kinds of ships there can be, and I think I could have gone on and on forever and ever looking at the shapes of things and the colours they were, and dreaming about being a pirate, and things like that. But we had come some way, and now Alice said, Oswald, I think Noel would die if we don't make land soon. And indeed he had been rather bad for some time. Only I thought it was kinder to take no notice. So a ship was steered among other pirate craft and moored at a landing place where there were steps up. Noah was now so ill that we felt we could not take him on a Chinese hunt. And H.O. had sneaked his boots off in the boat and he said they hurt him too much to put them on again. So it was arranged those two should sit on a dry corner of the steps and wait and Dora said she would stay with them. I think we ought to go home, she said. I'm quite sure father wouldn't like us being in these wild, savage places. The police ought to find Pincher. But the others weren't going to surrender like that, especially as Dora had actually had the sense to bring a bag of biscuits, which all except Noel now eating. 
Perhaps they ought, but they won't, said Dicky. I'm boiling hot. I'll leave you my overcoat in case you're cold. Oswald had been just about to make the same manly proposal, though he was not extra warm. So they left their coats in with Alice, who would come, though told not to. They climbed the steps and went along a narrow passage and started boldly on the Chinese hunt. I was a strange sort of place over the river. All the streets were narrow, and the houses and the pavements and the people's clothes and the mud and the road all seemed the same sort of dull colour. A sort of brown-grey it was. All the house doors were open, and you could see that the insides of the house were the same colour as the outsides. Some of the women had blue and violet or red shawls, and they sat on the doorsteps and combed the children's hair and shouted things to each other across the street. They seemed very much struck by the appearance of the three travellers, and some of the things they said were not pretty. That was the day when Oswald found out a thing that has often been in use to him in after life. However rudely poor people stare at you, they become all right instantly, if you ask them something. I think they don't hate you so much when they've done something for you, if it's only to tell you the time or the way. So we got on very well, but it does not make me comfortable to see people so poor, and we have such a jolly house. People in books feel this, and I know it is right to feel it, but I hate the feeling all the same, and it is worse when the people are nice to you. And we asked, and we asked, and we asked, but no one has seen a dog or a Chinaman. And I began to think all was indeed lost, and you can't go on biscuits all day, when we went round a corner rather fast, and came slap into the largest woman I've ever seen. She must have been yards and yards round, and before she had time to be in the rage that we saw she was getting into, Alice said, Oh, I beg your pardon, I am so sorry, but we really didn't mean to. I do so hope we didn't hurt you. We saw the growing rage fade away. And she said, as soon as she got her fat breath, No, I'm done, my little dear. And where are you off to in such a hurry? So we told her all about it. She was quite friendly, although so stout. And she said we ought to be gallivanting about all on our own. We told her we were all right. Though I own, Oswald was glad that in the hurry of departing, Alice hadn't had time to find anything smarter looking to wear than her garden coat and grey tam which had been regretted by some earlier in the day. "'Well,' said the woman, "'if you go long this here turning as far as ever you can go, and then take the first to the right, and bear round to the left, and take the second to the right again, and go down the alley between the stumps, you come to Rose Gardens. There's often Chinamen about there, and if you come along this way as you come back, keep your eye open for me, and I'll ask some young chaps as I know as is interested like in dogs, and perhaps I'll have news for you. Thank you very much, Alice said, and the woman asked her to give her a kiss. Everybody's always wanting to kiss Alice. I can't think why. And we got her to tell us the way again, and we noticed the name of the street, and it was Nightingale Street and the stairs where we had left the others was Bullamy's Causeway, because we had the true explorer's instincts, and when you can't blaze your way on trees with your axe or lay cross twigs like the gypsies do, it is best to remember the names of streets. So we said good-bye, and went on through the grey-brown streets with hardly any shops, and those only very small and common, and we got to the alley all right. It was a narrow place between high blank brown-grey walls, 
I think by the smell it was gasworks and tanneries. There was hardly anyone there. But when we got into it, we heard feet running ahead of us, and Oswald said, "'Hullo! Suppose that's someone with Pincher, and they've recognised his long-lost masters, and they're making a bolt for it!' And we all started running as hard as ever we could. There was a turn in the passage, and when we got round it, we saw that the running was stopping. There were four or five boys in a little crowd round someone in blue. Blue looked such a change after the muddy colour of everything in that dead eastern domain, and when we got up the person the blue was on was a very wrinkled old man, with a yellow wrinkled face and a soft felt hat and blue blouse-like coat, and I see that I ought not to conceal any longer from the discerning reader that it was exactly what we had been looking for. It was indeed a celestial Chinaman in deep difficulties with these boys, who were, as Alice said afterwards, truly fiends in mortal shape. They were laughing at the old Chinaman, and shouting to each other, and their language was of that kind. I was sorry we had got Alice with us. But she told Oswald afterwards that she was so angry, she did not know what they were saying. "'Police bloomin' pigtail!' said one of these outcasts from decent conduct. The old man was trying to keep him off with both hands, but the hands were very wrinkly and trembly. Oswald is grateful to his good father, who taught him and Dickie the proper way to put their hands up. If it had not been for that, Oswald does not know what on earth would have happened, for the outcasts were five to our two, because no one could have expected Alice to do what she did. Before Oswald had even got his hands into the position required by the noble art of self-defence, she had slapped the largest boy on the face as hard as ever she could, and she can slap pretty hard, as Oswald knows but too well. And she had taken the second-sized boy, and was shaking him before Dicky could get his left in on the eye of the slapped assailant of the aged denizen of the flowery east. The other three went for Oswald, but three to one is nothing to one who has hopes of being a pirate in his spare time when he grows up. In an instant the five were on us. Dicky and I had gotten some good ones, and though Oswald cannot approve of my sister being in a street fight, he must own she was very quick and useful in pulling ears and twisting arms and slapping and pinching. But she had quite forgotten how to hit out from the shoulder like I've often shown her. The battle raged, and Alice often turned the tide of it by a well-timed shove or nip. The aged Easton leaned against the wall, panting and holding his blue heart with his yellow hand. Oswald had got a boy down and was kneeling on him, and Alice was trying to pull off two other boys who'd fallen on top of the fray, while Dickie was letting the fifth have it when there was a flash of blue and another Chinaman dashed into the tournament. Fortunately, this one was not old, and with a few well-directed, if foreign-looking, blows, he finished the work so ably begun by the brave Bustables, and next moment the five loathsome and youthful aggressors were bolting down the passage. Oswald and Dickie were trying to get their breath and find out exactly where they were hurt and how much, and Alice had burst out crying and was howling as though she would never stop. That is the worst of girls— they never can keep anything up, any brave act they may suddenly do, when for a moment they forget that they have not the honour to be boys, is almost instantly made into contemptibility by a sudden attack of cry-babyishness. But I will say no more, for she did strike the first blow after all, and it did turn out that the boys had scratched her wrist and kicked her shins. These things make girls cry. The venerable stranger from distant shores said a good deal to the other in what I suppose was the language used in China. It all sounded like Hung and Lee and Chi, and then the other one turned to us and said, Nasty lily girly, same piecey flowly, you take my head to walk it on? This is all same my father first chop ancestor, 
Dirty white devils make him hurt. You come along if fighty plopper. Me like you. Really muchy. Alice was crying too much to answer, especially as she could not find her handkerchief. I gave her mine, and then she was able to say that she did not want to walk on anybody's head, and she wanted to go home. This not nice place for lily whitey girly, said the young Chinaman. His pigtail was thicker than his father's and black right up to the top. The old man's was grey at the beginning, but lower down it was black, because that part of it was not hair at all, but black threads and ribbons and odds and ends of trimmings. And towards the end both pigtails were greenish. Me lon baki take him safe, the younger of the eastern adventurers went on, pointing to his father. Then make me walk all along you, take you back same place you come from. Little white devils waiting for you. Answer, Lord, you coming with? Not, Lily Gully, not Cly. John, givey her one piecey plety plety. Come, makey talky with the house lady. I believe this is about what he said, and we understood that he wanted us to come and see his mother, and that he would give Alice something pretty, and then see her safe out of the horrible brown grey country. So we agreed to go with them, for we knew those five boys would be waiting for us on the way back, most likely with strong reinforcements. Alice stopped crying the minute she could. I must say she is better than Dora in that way. And we followed the Chinamen, who walked in single fire like Indians, so we did the same, and talked to each other over our shoulders. Our grateful Oriental friends led us through a good many streets, and suddenly opened a door with a key, pulled us in, and shut the door. Dick thought to the kidnapping of Florence Dombey, and good Mrs. Brown, but Oswald had no such unnoble thoughts. The room was small, and very, very odd. It was very dirty, too, but perhaps it is not polite to say that. There was a sort of sideboard at one end of the room with an embroidered dirty cloth on it, and on the cloth a bluey-white crockery image over a foot high. It was very fat and army and leggy, and I think it was an idol. The minute we got inside, the young man lighted little brown sticks and set them to burn in front of it. I suppose it was incense. There was a sort of long, wide, low sofa without any arms or legs, and a table that was like a box, with another box in front of it for you to sit down on when you worked. And on the table were all sorts of tiny little tools. Owls and brads, they looked like, and pipe stems and broken bowls of pipes and mouthpieces. For our rescued Chinaman was a pipe mender by trade. There wasn't much else in the room except the smell, and that seemed to fill it choke full. The smell seemed to have all sorts of things in it, glue and gunpowder and white garden lilies and burnt fat, and it was not so easy to breathe as plain air. Then a Chinese lady came in. She had grey-green trousers, shiny like varnish, and a blue gown, and her hair was pulled back very tight and twisted into a little knob at the back. She wanted to go down on the floor before Alice, but we wouldn't let her. And then she said a great many things that we felt sure were very nice, only they were in Chinese, so we could not tell what they were. And the Chinaman said that his mother also wanted Alice to walk on her head, not Alice's own, of course, but the mother's. I wish we had stayed longer, and tried harder to understand what they said, because it was an adventure, take it how you like, that we're not likely to look upon the like of again. Only we were too flustered to see this. We said, don't mention it, and things like that, and when Dicky said, I think we ought to be going, Oswald said so too. Then they all began talking Chinese like mad, and Chinese lady came back and suddenly gave Alice a parrot. It was red and green, with a very long tail, and as tame as any pet fawn I ever read about. 
It walked up her arm and round her neck and stroked her face with its beak, and it did not bite Oswald or Alice or even Dickie, though they could not be sure at first said it was not going to. We said all the polite things we could, and the old lady made thousands of hurried Chinese replies and repeated many times, "'Old lady, John, which seemed to be all the English she knew. We never had so much fuss made over us in all our lives. I think it was that that upset our calmness, and seemed to put us into a sort of silly dream that made us not see what idiots we were to hurry off from scenes we should never again behold. So we went, and the youthful celestial saw us safely to the top of Bullamy stairs, and there left us with the parrot and floods of words that seemed all to end in double E. We wanted to show him to the others, but he would not come, so we rejoined our anxious relations without him. The scene of rejoinder was painful, at first because they were most frightfully sick at us having been such an age away, but when we let them look at the parrot and told them about the fight, they agreed that it was not our fault, and we really had been unavoidably detained. But Dora said, Well, you may say I'm always preaching, but I don't think father would like Alice to be fighting street boys in Millwall. I suppose you'd have run away and let the old man be killed, said Dicky, and peace was not restored till we were nearly at Greenwich again. We took the tram to Greenwich Station, and we took a cab home, and well worth the money, which was all we now had got, except fourpence halfpenny, for we were all dog-tired. And dog-tired reminds me that we hadn't found Pincher in spite of all our trouble. Miss Blake, who is our housekeeper, was angrier than I've ever seen her. She'd been so anxious that she had sent the police to look for us, but of course they had not found us. You ought to make allowances for what people do when they are anxious, so I forgive her everything, even what she said about Oswald being a disgrace to a respectable house. He owns we were rather muddy, owing to the fight. And when the jaw was over, and we were having tea, and there was meat to it, because we were as near starving as I ever wished to be, we all ate lots. Even the thought to Pincher could not thwart our bold appetites, though we kept saying, Poor old Pincher, I do wish we'd found him, and things like that. The parrot walked about among the tea-things as tame as tame, and just as Alice was saying how we'd go out again tomorrow and have another try for our faithful hound, there was a scratching at the door, and we rushed, and there was Pincher perfectly well and mad with joy to see us. H.O. turned an abrupt beetroot colour. Oh, he said. We said, what? Out with it. And though he would much rather have kept it a secret, buried in his breast, we made him own that he had shot Pincher up yesterday in the empty rabbit hutch when he was playing zoological gardens and forgotten all about it in the pleasures of our cousin having left us. So we need not have gone over the water at all. But though Oswald pities old dumb animals, especially those helplessly shut in rabbit hutches at the bottoms of gardens, he cannot be sorry that we had such a celestial adventure, and got hold of such a parrot, for Alice says that Oswald and Dicky and she shall have the parrot between them. She is tremendously straight. I often wonder why she was made a girl. She's a jolly sight more of a gentleman than half the boys at our school. End of chapter 4 Over the Water to China Recording by Madeira.